Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm very excited because we are getting ready to head to the Holy Land uh, later this week. And so, Lord willing, we will get to go and walk in the footsteps of Jesus and be in the places where he was. And uh, there are about 45 of us going, and so we're very excited about the opportunity to just really have a what is prayerfully and, and almost assuredly going to be a life-changing experience. Um, I've not been before, and uh, I am really looking forward to being in those places. I've been to, to Athens and to Corinth, and reading Acts and reading First and Second Corinthians, um, it, it's like it brings the Bible to life in color. And uh, uh, so I'm really looking forward to being able to see all these special places where God moved in people's lives all the way back from the time of Abraham mm-hmm. uh, until even today. And so very excited, man. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I, I'm excited that you're going. <laughs> I, I have not been myself either, so I'm excited to talk to you about uh, your trip there and everything that you learn. But I'm also excited, listeners, that we get to continue doing the Beyond Sunday podcast, even while Jeff is in Israel. It, Lord willing, and the technology works, Amen. we will be able to do this. And so we'll we'll do it by way of telephone. And, and so I'll be the correspondent <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the deal. But uh, I'm very excited about that opportunity as well. And just to be able to, to share some of the insights, some of the things that the Lord is teaching me and our group as we're there. And uh, for any of you who are like, man, I would love to go. Um, just know that uh, even this morning I was talking with uh, uh, one of the travel agents that has put this trip together, and this is not a one-and-done sort of a thing. We intend for this to be a repeating experience. And and then also we were talking this morning about um, some other very interesting, edifying, Christ-centered trips that we can take uh, to really allow God's Word to come to life before our eyes. And so um, we got a lot of exciting things, Lord willing, coming in the future. So, Amen. Good deal. So let's go ahead and do our Prayer Partners Initiative checkup for the week. So listeners, you pick a partner, you pray daily for them, and then you connect weekly with them. So Jeff, let's connect. In one word, how are you? Humbled. Humbled. Humbled that I had the opportunity to be with these folks, to go to this place, and humbled at uh, really the the experience that we've been having at First Baptist Church here lately. Um, We had the sweetest baptism yesterday, a young lady named Abby, who professed her faith in Jesus Christ, and and the joy of the Lord was just all over her. She was so excited. She invited all of her teachers in her school oh. to come, and uh, had so many family members from out of town, and and it was just beautiful. Um, and so, humbled to see how God continues to work uh, here at the corner of Twelfth and Chestnut, and uh, recognizing that He would work all around the world too. So, Jordan, what about you? In one word, how are you? Distracted. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not for the podcast, of course. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, no, there's just multiple things going on where, you know, different projects I'm working on where I want to give each one 100%, but you just you just can't do that. And, you know, you need to prioritize and make sure your family is prioritized above everything. So 
I can appreciate that. That is the story of my adult life. I'm sure. And I'm yeah. sure it's everybody's adult life to some degree. You know, if you could just focus on one thing and just get it done, but then life gets in the way of that and responsibilities and people want you to do things for paychecks and stuff like that. So, right. and that's, that's understandable and relatable. Yep. So Jeff, what is God teaching you right now? I think God is teaching me uh, just how big he is. And, and how much in control he is. I think God is, is just continuing to reveal um, the vastness of who he is to me. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful for that. What about you? What's God teaching you right now? It's funny, I'm riffing on the same thing, but I, I wrote it down. It's right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's trusting God when I can't see results. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating when you 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 do the steps, you do the process, and, you know, just things that seem like they should go very easily just do not work out. And then, you know, sometimes miraculously they do work out and you're like, well, if I only I'd had a little bit more faith, I wouldn't have been so frustrated, you know? Yeah. Well, I have a tendency to be so results-based that mm-hmm. I forget the process, like the process is disposable to me. And and one of the things God's been teaching me for a lot of years now is that he meets us in the process. Mm-hmm. And uh, you think about, we were, I, this morning's reading was a bunch of Psalms and uh, about God being our rock and our refuge and our strength. And you think about David, you know, here he is anointed king over Israel. But he's not king yet. Mm-hmm. In fact, the guy who is king is trying to kill him, and he's having to hide from him. One of the places I'm really, really excited about going is En Gedi or En Gedi, um, and going to the to caves where David and the mighty men hid from Saul. I'm oh, I can't wait. And so, um, anyway, that that's that a rabbit hole. But um, trusting God in the process and meeting God in the process. I mean, the process is part of the process <laughs> that, 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 that that's where he's sanctifying us. But I'm with you, man. I, uh, I am a, let's get to the result and let's get to the result right now. So that's easy to get frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So how can I pray for you? Pray for our group, for focus, uh, for safety, for uh, the ability not to be distracted, uh, from what we're there for. Um, I don't know if you've read the headlines, but there has been tension in this part of the world since, oh, I don't know, uh, several thousand years ago. Um, and so uh, there, there's always tension. Um, three major holidays have kind of collided, Passover and Easter and Ramadan. And uh, Passover and Easter are past now. Mm-hmm. Orthodox Easter is past, and Ramadan comes to an end the day that we fly out. And so some of the tension that's been on the Temple Mount as three three religions try to lay claim to that holy site, um, uh, that should be dissipating, and we're thankful for that. But just pray that, you know, that, that we would be safe and, and we would not be distracted as we um, go on this pilgrimage. Amen. Yeah. How can I pray for you? Just that I could focus on my family. I, I feel like I'd like I alluded to, I, I get distracted and try to do things well, but then doing something well means that my, oh, just give me 15 minutes to work on this is never actually 15 minutes. So just yeah. work on that is what I would appreciate. Well, I can definitely pray for you in that regard, and I can identify with you in that regard. So Lord bless you, brother. Thank you. So we'll go ahead into today's scripture. Today's scripture is Luke 24, 36 through 53. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that is, I myself. Touch me and see, 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. So Jeff, I want to circle back to a question you asked during the sermon. You you led off and asked, what would you do if Jesus walked into the room? And you gave several possible things that people might do when Jesus walked in the room. But what would you do if Jesus walked into the room? Well, personally, and, and I intentionally didn't mention this in the message because I wanted to deal with people kind of out of an inquisitive place, but I mean, I'd, I'd be on my face if Jesus walked in the room. That's, that would be um, just just on my face before him uh, in, in worship and adoration and submission and surrender and honor. Um, he's Jesus, <laughs> you know? I mean, um, so, so I think that would be the very first thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, I struggle sometimes to even imagine how gripping and life-changing that experience would be to, to, to meet Jesus flesh to flesh. Right? He ascended to heaven. He did, his, his body did not drop when his spirit went. No, he went to heaven with a body. And so uh, even this day, he has flesh and bones. And um, so just to be overwhelmed in his presence with the magnitude of his glory and then the magnitude of his love for me. I, I, I think I think it'd be a lot like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. I think there would be a sense of woe is me, um, recognizing my sinfulness, but then recognizing that the weight of his death on the cross is sufficient to cover all of my sin. And he's done that for me because of his great love for me, that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me and he rose again from the grave. And uh, my justification hinges upon his cross and resurrection. And so, um, yeah, but but first, I, I mean, I would be on the ground. I would be on my face before him, just worshiping him and and uh, telling him how much I loved him. You know, um, I'll never forget, there was an a interview that uh, Greta Van Susteren did with Billy Graham, and Billy Graham was significantly aged at this point, and uh, she said, would you do anything differently? And she, he said, yes, I would. Um, he said, I would go back um, and just spend more time telling the Lord how much I love him. And that really resonated with me. I caught that, I think, when I was in my early 30s, and that has... Uh, that has really become uh, more of a pattern in my prayer life uh, of just just telling the Lord how much I love Him, how thankful I am for Him, and uh, and so I think that would be a continuation. What about you, man? What would you do if Jesus walked in the room? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to acknowledge since you're the pastor and you just gave what you would do, uh, I feel like I should copy that and paste it, right? But <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, no, but as when you asked the question, I immediately thought 
kind of in line with the disciples when they're walking around with the resurrected Messiah. You know, it's like, well, if I see you, Jesus, it must be time for the kingdom, right? It's go time. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for uh, real. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's not, you know, it's not like with them where he was resurrected, but it wasn't the time yet. You know, it, he still needed to ascend and time needed to pass before the end. But if we were to see Jesus and know that it's Jesus, and, you know, after I've, you know, humbled myself and bowed and, you know, prostrated myself, then at some point in my mind, it'd be like, well, it is time now, right? If he's here... It's a pretty good indication that it's go time. I mean, when Jesus shows up, it's on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the time has come, so that's right. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, Jeff, I want to ask you about the resurrection. So, Jesus and the apostles are all about the resurrection. And like you pointed out yesterday, Paul talks about how our faith really hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. So, it's one of those words, I think, that becomes a church word that we don't necessarily define or it's kind of ill-defined. Can you tell us, what is the resurrection? Yeah, specifically talking about Jesus' resurrection, it is his physical resurrection from the grave. That is, Jesus, who was dead, was raised to life by God the Father. Uh, and he walked out of the tomb. He lives. You know, it's, it's, it's really that simple. Um, a dead body was revived um, by God. It was miraculous. And... Um, I'll tell you, actually, I have from my office a couple of my favorite resources about the resurrection. One uh, is entitled Evidence for the Resurrection by Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell. And the subtitle is What It Means for Your Relationship with God. And so if you have questions about the resurrection, that's a great and relatively thorough resource about it. But the book that really got a hold of me when I was in college is also written by Josh McDowell, and a new edition is um, includes his son, Sean McDowell, who um, Sean and I became buddies while we were working on our PhD together. Um, but it is called More Than a Carpenter. And it says right here on the cover that there are more than 15 million copies of this little book sold. And I actually buy them uh, in bulk so that I can give them to people. But um, in this book, it's talking about Jesus, and it's an apologetic treatment of who Jesus is. And, and one of the most important questions is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And there's a, there's a chapter entitled, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. And mm. this is all you know, very short. But... Um, Josh McDowell says, a student at the University of Uruguay asked me, Professor McDowell, why couldn't you find some way to refute Christianity? I answered, for a very simple reason. I was unable to explain away the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a real event in history. After spending more than 700 hours studying this subject and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I came to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is either one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever foisted on humanity, or it is the most important fact in history. So, McDowell then goes on to talk about various theories that the resurrection didn't happen and things of that nature. And I thought that was remarkably helpful uh, that there have been people putting forward um, theories uh, as to how it was all some big hoax, even recorded in Scripture, uh, that they said, oh, tell them that the disciples stole the body. That's one of the hoaxes. And so, mm -hmm. um, but literally, the resurrection is that Jesus was raised from the dead and he is the force. And he is the firstborn from among the dead, and uh, all of us who trust and follow Jesus will be raised with him one day. Amen. Yeah, actually, there's a a, a, a sim 
Amen. Actually, I've heard a similar story uh, from a different person, and this is actually an Orthodox rabbi named Dr. Pincus Lapid. He actually wrote a book about how he accepts that Jesus was resurrected. Really? Yeah. Now, he does not accept him as the Messiah, but he looked at the evidence and he said, uh, I, I think that has to be a historical fact. Wow. Yeah. 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 So that takes me to the next question. So we believe that it was a physical resurrection, and we're anticipating a physical resurrection from the dead of all of those who believe in Jesus, and ultimately a physical resurrection of the, the uh, wicked as well, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So why would some people say that Jesus did not resurrect, or that it was actually a spirit that they saw? Like, what, what's, the, what's the reason why someone would try to spiritualize away the resurrection? Well, a couple things. Number one, I think there's spiritual warfare. Um, and if you can disprove the resurrection, there's no point to being a Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just true. Um, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15. I mentioned that in the sermon. Um, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses, and is saved. And so it is a condition of salvation to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Um, there was a movement in the mid to late 19th century, the 1800s, um, that sought to refute the miraculous. And this movement uh, crept into theological seminaries and really uh, did some real damage in undermining what is. Um, dear to the Christian faith, starting with the the trustworthiness and truthfulness of Scripture. Um, so there began to be a movement, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use sweeping generalized terms, but that the Bible, instead of being true, has truth in it. Well that is vastly different. Mm-hmm. Those are two very different statements. For example, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> okay. Um, and I can make the case that Reese's peanut butter cups have things that are good for you in them. Like there's some protein there, yeah. right? So yeah. I tell my wife that all the time. I, I should be able to eat these because there's protein. Um, but there's also a bunch of other stuff that's not necessarily good for you. Mm-hmm. So if I say Reese's peanut butter cups are good for me, then I'm implying the whole thing is good for me. If I say there's something in there that's good for me, then I'm saying, yeah, there's protein along with all the greatest other things like chocolate. Um Well, the same is true of Scripture. If I say there's truth in the Bible, then I'm able to discount anything that I don't believe to be true. I'm able to mythologize anything that I don't believe to be true. And so there was a movement, and and, and quite frankly, it was disturbing and distressing. It started really uh, to gain momentum in Germany. It came over to the United States, and um, it really was detrimental to a lot of people's faith. But the, but the bottom line was this, that there was this denial of anything that was miraculous. And so there are theologians who would say, yes, the Bible says this, but that's not true. Uh, yes, the Bible tells us that this happened, but this was a primitive people. Or, yes, the Bible says this, but God was using what they would term a a, a trajectory hermeneutic in which truth is progressive and what was written thousands of years ago is no longer pertinent to our culture today. Well, I refute and and <laughs> cannot agree with any of those things. Um, 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has spoken. Uh, there is nothing that uh, will be revealed that will refute anything that is written in Scripture. If so, then it's not from God. Mm-hmm. So there was this sense for people who wanted to kind of live in an enlightenment age where everything is provable empirically to say, well, I know the Bible speaks of miracles, but those are just myths. I mean, the bottom line is there was a historical Jesus. He did die to illustrate his love for us. Um, He didn't really rise from the dead, but there's a spiritual sort of existential resurrection that happens in Christians when they decide that that they can believe in the historical Jesus. And it's just, frankly, it it gets really... um, really muddled really quickly. And, uh, and so, I, frankly, I wanted to be clear in the sermon. Do you have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead to be a Christian? Yes. Why do you say so? Because Romans 10, 9 says so. To be saved, you, you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. And so go do something else. Eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow we die. This this life goes by quickly. And if this is it, if all we do is become warm dirt when it's over, then go have as much fun and make as much money as you can mm-hmm. um, because that's all there is. Um, but if there's more, and, and we believe there is more because the Bible reveals that there is more, God has given us the truth that there is more then that drastically changes my life and my allegiances and my recognition of what the future holds for me such that, yeah, however much longer I have on this earth, whether it's 10 minutes or 70 years, wow, I'd have to live to be 112. It won't be 70 years. Anyway, um, (laughs) that's a real-time realization of my age right there. Uh, 120, God willing. (laughs) There you go. Um, But, uh, man— You know, if I recognize and live my life in light of eternity that awaits me, then that changes the way I approach my life day to day now. And to be fair, the resurrection was a sticking point even all the way back with Paul. When when Paul's on the Areopagus and he's delivering the sermon and he's trying to give understanding of what he's talking about to these pagans, he he's talking about an unseen God and they're like kind of following him. But then uh, in Acts seventeen verse thirty two it says. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. So that that's what the sticking point was. It wasn't that there's an unseen God or that, that you know he could send someone to save people. It's that people will come back from the dead. That's what really upset the pagan mind, or rather the the philosophical mind. Yeah, I mean, it really did. And and I've had the privilege of standing on the Areopagus and looking up to the Acropolis and looking down upon the Roman Agora and 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 just feeling some of the weight of what Paul must have been feeling. And I was not surrounded by <laughs> all the great philosophers of the age. I was surrounded by people that I was uh, on a trip with and tourists. And, um, man, it was still a humbling experience. And so um, yeah, it's very interesting because they they thought that Paul was talking about unknown deities. And, and frankly, that plural there means something because they thought he was talking about the God, Jesus, and a goddess named Anastasia because the Greek word for resurrection is anastasis, anastasis. And so, so central was Paul's argument about the resurrection that they thought the resurrection was a goddess. And so... Such a vital element of the gospel. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then 
you're wasting your time listening to this podcast. You could be out pursuing pleasure right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But if he is, then you're not wasting your time at all, and neither are you and I, and neither is Elliot over there. So, Amen. And that bit about Anastasia really changes the way you see that movie, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's the perfect segue in today's listener question. Not exactly, but it's a segue anyway. Close, yeah. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the show notes and click on the link or comment on the post below. Jeff, what are you most excited to do on your upcoming trip to Israel? Oh, my goodness. So we're going to spend the first few days on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I don't know, the Sea of Galilee has such an importance in my mind. It's like as you read the Gospels, everything happens around the Sea of Galilee. He travels across the Sea of Galilee. He goes, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the Sea of Galilee then comes down into the Jordan River, and, I, and you think about all the history with the Jordan and, and Joshua crossing. And, man, I just th- – I don't know. There's so many things that I'm excited about. Um, I'll tell you, um, a buddy of mine who's been several times said, you know, one of the things that's tough is that churches over the years, like they found what they believe to be a holy site and built a church on it, <laughs> you know. And so everything has a church on it. Um, so I'm kind of more excited about seeing some of the untouched mm-hmm. parts, some of the parts that, um, you know, you really are able to look upon, um, places that these great heroes of the faith literally were, where they literally did these things. You know, I'm going to the place where, um, presumably David cut the corner off of King Saul's robe. That story has always gripped me and I can't wait to be there. Um, of course, we're going to have a baptism renewal, and I'm going to get to baptize people in the Jordan River. Um, I'm going to get to, you know, Lord willing, get into the Dead Sea. And I'm excited about being able to sit down in water <laughs> because it's so saline that you don't sink. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Masada and Engedi and Megiddo and just, just anyway, there's so many places. But I think the, the place that might be and I'll, I'll either confirm or deny this, the place that might be the most poignant is, is for me probably going to be the Garden of Gethsemane hmm. because, you know, that was the moment where the, the humanity and the deity of Jesus really collided, you know. His humanity cries out, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then, but then in this full submission to the will of God the Father and this intra-Trinitarian deal that they had had from eternity past, you know, that the son would go and die. Um, and Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So we're going to go to what is presumed to be the upper room, and we're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're going to come down, and we're going to go down the Via Dolorosa, and we're going to walk to Golgotha, and we're going we're to go see that the tomb is empty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm just so excited about all this. So, you know, Lord willing, we will come back. Um, I, I hope it's a, s- a scenario in which, you know, when Moses went on the mountain to meet with God, he came back and his face, face was glowing. And I hope that uh, we get to encounter the Lord in a way that, that all of our faces are glowing when we come back. So I'm very excited about that. Maybe so. Can you pray us out? Let's pray. Lord, we believe. We believe, Jesus, that you are the Messiah, that you are the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son of God, and God the Son. And we're so thankful that you came. We're so thankful that you were born and and laid in a feeding trough in Bethlehem 
We're thankful that you grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we're thankful for your earthly ministry in which you revealed the power of God through your actions, through your words. And we're thankful for your death on the cross in which you died in our place to pay the price for our sin. We thank you for your burial in a tomb, for you truly died. And Lord, we're thankful that when the women went to anoint your body very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty, for God the Father had raised you from the dead. And just as you lived then, so also do we know that you live now. So we believe in and affirm the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. And that because you live, Lord, not only can we face tomorrow, but we can face tomorrow because we know that there is an endless supply of tomorrows coming for everyone who trusts and follows you. And so, Lord, strengthen our faith, encourage us, help us to be able to have an answer to everyone for the hope that we have. For you, Lord, are the reason for that hope. And we ask your blessing as we go forward from this moment, and we pray that we would be a blessing to all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.